we've got a number of prayer requests. Uh, JP, I'm not sure I know his last name. Something French? <laughs> yeah, JP passed away this week. He was uh, in my class. I don't know if you knew him, but he did uh, a number of health issues. And uh, he, he's one of Ray's people, is how I think of him. Uh, Ray drove him a lot. Uh, but he passed away. Um, my wife has a co-worker who was a uh, uh, early childhood teacher that passed away suddenly last night. And uh, I don't know any of the story on that yet. And that family, I don't think they were, they were even Christians, but they, they deserve some prayer. Uh, their last name is Yates. And um, Dennis Jenkins called in this morning because he was doing all the fill-in for the pastor, and he has a fever. And so he doesn't he think it's uh, COVID or anything, but he didn't want to come subject you, you to himself. So he's staying home. So we're all kind of scrambling around and filling in and substituting. Uh, I have a, a raging cold, but no fever, which is why I'm not taking off the mask today. That's so that when you get ill, you can't blame it on me. See, I don't really, I don't really care about your health, you know. It, it, I care about my culpability. That's basically, <laughs> you know. So uh, I, I'm trying to be careful. Uh, are there any other prayer requests we need to? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I picked the perfect time to retire, didn't I? Did. I did. I planned this perfectly. <sighs> well, you know, it's for, I can't spray. But anyway, okay. Uh, all right, let's bring these to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, be with us as we 
serve you. And I pray, Lord, that you may keep your hand of protection and healing upon us and our loved ones. And I pray, Lord, that you will touch each of the people that were brought before you, Lord, and, and touch their families, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you may protect them and, and, and guide them and, and use their trial to your, to your glory. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, guide us and, and protect us as we try to be salt and light to the world in which we, we move. And I pray, Lord, that you may uh, continue to, to give us strength as we do so. In Jesus' holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Okay. I asked Andrea what you guys were studying, and she talked about the foundations of the church, and then she threw some Latin words at me that I didn't understand. And so I didn't know what to do with that. Um, and I, you know, my class is in the middle of uh, Mark, and I really didn't think you wanted to just jump into Mark chapter five all by your, you know, without any preference to it. So I, I did my best to do something that would go along with the theme of your class. So I spent half the day yesterday working on this little lesson, and I hope it was worth the effort. Um, Basically, we live in a time when the church seems to be under attack. Do you agree with that? Um, since 1973, America has systematically killed off 54.5 million unborn children based upon the laws of our country. That kind of flies in the face of basic... Christian morality, I think, depending on your politics, I suppose. Uh, our society has completely embraced homosexuality, not as an alternative lifestyle, but as a lifestyle. And five years ago, we legalized homosexual marriage, which it was hard for me to get my head around, just historically, from the view of the last... 4,000 years of human existence, that's a new one. Um, now we have this COVID-19 restriction where the government is closing down churches and churches are resisting and you have all of these big, loud, uh, uh, fancy arrests of the, you know, big public arrests of, uh, of, of ministers and church members. And um, the conservative media is... Even, even Christian media, conservative media, tends to take a humanistic bias in their reporting and uh, sometimes blatantly anti-Christian. And two weeks ago, I had a conversation with Clayton Yick about a radio pundit on a Christian radio station who made the statement that American Christians are the most persecuted group in the history of the work, quote, unquote. Oh, I'm sorry, but that's just ridiculous. I don't think he has read a book, certainly not a history book. Uh, we, we are not the most persecuted group of Christians in the history of the work. Oh, my word. You know, it, 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 are we under stress? Sure. I think as a church, we're all questioning what we need to do as a church in order to reach this, this, this weird 
progressively pagan world that we're living in. But are we the most... This isn't the first time this has happened. We've seen this before. Lots of times. Even currently today in other countries, there, there, there's more persecution of Christians than what we have here. We, we're, we're soft. Um, if we compare ourselves to Christ's time, Jerusalem under the Romans, that was a horrendous place to be a Christian. And that's where it started. So in Jerusalem, you have the, a Hebrew people, and they have their own set of laws. And the Romans have conquered them. The Romans' deal was really, really easy. They want all your money, and they care about nothing else. So as long as you give them a big pile of money, they will go away and leave you alone. They were basically the first gangsters the world has ever seen, you know? And so uh, they, they took taxes and tribute, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was an excessive taxes and tribute. Nobody wanted to pay as much taxes as they were paying. Uh, but, you know, as long as you kept them pacified with a whole lot of cash, Rome would leave you alone and let you run your own business, which was the basic deal that they had established with the pharisaical order that was controlling Jerusalem. And they let the Jews kind of take care of themselves because the Romans didn't want to take care of them. That was too much work and effort. Uh, they, just, they just wanted their cash. However, Rome... valued human life really lowly. They really didn't care about human life. They cared about gold. And if you compare Rome to the United States, we've got it a lot better off than, than they did. Women in Rome were chattel. If you, if you married in, in Rome, your personal belongings became the belongings of your husband. You didn't share in that. He owned it. And women did not have any kind of, does that sound good? Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> women didn't have any kind of legal recourse. They couldn't uh, bring testimony in court. I, I, I wasn't entirely sure, but I don't think they could even bring a case in court. Uh, but but they, were, they were kind of legal non-entities. On the chattel level of ranking, they were kind of on the top, though. Underneath women were children. Children were pretty much useless by Roman standards because children don't create cash. And they're too small to carry a spear. So what's the point? You know? And so children had a very low value. Um, and, 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 and they belonged to their father. You know, we... we we complain about abortion in the United States where, where parents can kill their children before they're born. The Romans could kill their children after they were born. Think about that a minute. I had two rambunctious sons, and when they were about five or six, it was a good thing that I wasn't a Roman. You know? Um... Children didn't even get names until they were two. And that was part 
I think part of the mortality probably had a lot to do with that because why would you want to invest them with a name when they may not live to see the next week? Uh, you know, but, but by the time they were two and they've been hanging around a while, then you, you, you kind of had to give them a name at that point just so you can tell them from the rest. You know, it, it, that's kind of the, their approach to, to life was really um, aloof. Slavery was everywhere. Government was corrupt. The government was basically a bunch of gangsters anyway. So within the government, you know, you could just pay off the guy that you were talking to, give him a little bribe on the side, and, and, and you can get what you wanted done. And the Hebrews were pretty much in the same spot. So now we have all of these Pharisees who are underneath the Romans, paying the Romans for their own power, and the Pharisees are basically working the same system within the Hebrew body. And they're abusing their authority as Pharisees. They're uh, skimming off the tithe, more or less. And, and they're, 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 they're using money changing in order to, there are all kinds of ways to kind of work the system. At any point in the system, it was corrupt and aiming at moving money back to the Pharisees. All the Pharisees were pretty rich. And here comes Christ, starting this little church, talking about love and forgiveness and redemption and getting your heart right. Well, I totally undermine the whole Pharisaical order, and that they, you know, if, if, if this is the Messiah, and he's not going to come and completely conquer the Romans like they were hoping for, uh, he undermines their power. He undermines their ability to milk the people. And so, of course, he's got to go. He's performing miracles, and they completely accept the fact that he's performing miracles, but still we've got to kill him because he's, under, he, he, he's, he's hurting their role, which is what we've studied in Mark. Ron at least understood all that. So, we get to Luke chapter 10, which is where I'm taking my lesson today. Verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. What does that mean? In, Hebrew, in, in, in the Hebrew culture, the Pharisees were both the masters of Old Testament scripture and the law. The law was scripture. It's the five books of Moses. They are, you know, a, a, a Bible scholar was basically an attorney. And if you're settling some kind of uh, an issue inside of the Hebrew culture, inside the temple, the, 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 the priests were your judge. So this is a Pharisee, and he's testing Christ. And notice it says, test Jesus. So he, he's, he, a good attorney never asks a question he doesn't already know the answer to. He's trying to trap Jesus into saying something that will work against him. You know, kind of like you do on Facebook. No one got that joke. Okay. Um, he asked, what must be done to inherit eternal life? 
Does he already know the answer to that question? Yeah. Yeah, he's got, he's read, the, he's, he's memorized the Old Testament. Certainly the first five books. He knows exactly where he stands in, in, for, before God. You know, it's all about, you know, he, he knows the commandments. God isn't hiding anything from us. Uh, and so, and so Christ turns around and says, what is written in the law? He replied, uh, how do you read it? It was like standard teacher answer there. What, what, what do you think? Well, what do you got before we start? And so he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that the first two commandments? I think it is. Yeah. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. And then the teacher walked away. We're all done. Well, that's not the point. He knew that answer because he's read the first two uh, commandments and the Ten Commandments. Oh, my. You know, he asked him a simple, straightforward question. Well, here's the kicker. He wants to catch Christ in some kind of a, of, of a conundrum. So he backs it up, being the attorney that he is. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, but who is my neighbor? What's, what's he trying to catch him with? Who is your neighbor? Who does he think his neighbor is? Yes, just the Jews. He wants Christ to say, you know, we should love the Romans because the last thing anybody in, in, in Jerusalem wants to hear is that we should love the Romans. You know, we should love the outsiders. We should love our enemies. They don't love their enemies. They don't even talk to their enemies. They don't talk to people that's not Hebrew. You know, it's a very inclusive culture. And so he's hoping that Christ will say, you know, love everybody, and that's going to make him heretical in front of the Pharisees, and it gives them something to attack him on. And now Christ responds with a parable. Because evidently that's a good way to avoid getting stuck in the middle of a, of a, of a, of a, of a debate trap. What is? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. 
Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Do what likewise? Oh, not at all. So it's showing that that who was the least of the Jews, kind of midst, were those that were really showing faith in him, how he was to go and be like The Samaritans were um, kind of the remnant of the northern kingdom going back in history, and they had pagan rituals and traditions that were mixed into their, their faith. And they were, they were doctrinally weird compared to the, the Hebrews in Jerusalem. And they didn't uh, come to the temple. They had a temple in, um, or was it, Ron? No? Okay, we, we've done this recently. Yeah, so put him on the spot. Uh, they, they met in, in, in that northern kingdom because they're going back from the time when, when it was divided. Um, so, basically, they, they also had some uh, culture, there were some um, racial differences as well, because they had intermarried with outside people, and they had a kind of a different ethnic background. So it was kind of easier to, to pick out a Samaritan. I really don't know the details of that, but good Jews would walk all the way around the region of Samaria rather than through it, in order to not go anywhere near the Samaritans. They, were, they, they went to a great deal of trouble to kind of avoid any contact with them at all. So they're the last person that the Jew would want to go near. Uh, and so the first guy that walks through, that's a priest, and a Levite is also a priest, another class of priests. So we have these two preachers that walk by and ignore him and keep on walking. Because, you know... If you're walking down the road and you find somebody bleeding to death in the side, on the, you don't really want to be bothered with that, and you're usually kind of in a hurry, and you don't wouldn't want to be late. So, so now we have this person that everyone would look down on, the poor, the impoverished, the outsider, and he shows kindness. He shows mercy. So who's the neighbor? They were all the neighbor? Go and show mercy. makes you the neighbor to everyone else. And Christ just let us figure that out. He didn't bother spelling it out in details, I noticed. Of course, that, that you know, keeps him out of court. Um, so, the question is, what do we do? We're in a lot less of a pickle than they were. And Christ is telling people that are under extreme persecution to show mercy to people. I think the message is the same with us. We should show mercy to people. 
do we need to try to fix the world? Can we fix the world? Uh, in 1 Timothy 3.15, I'm not going to look it up, but basically uh, Paul says that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. Uh, and that's our job. Now, a pillar is a big post, a big concrete post that you hold a, a roof on top of. And you've got these big support beams that are on the top of it. But you have to have this post here in order to hold that support beam up. Uh, so the church holds up truth. We're not the truth, but we have to attest to that truth. Right? So we don't, we, you know, we want to avoid lies. I don't know if the truth is necessarily, I, I think it should just be truth is truth. I don't know that we're talking about uh, the gospel in this case, which may be uh, what Paul is trying to say. But I think just truth in general Watching my daily drudge reports, I think there's a whole lot of lying going on. You know, I have become, I was already a little cynical, but man, lately I have become, you know, I've become John Smith. <laughs> I, I, I get you now, I really do, yeah, uh-huh. Um, in Matthew, Matthew describes the church as salt and light. That's nice and poetic. What, is, what does that mean? Yes. And that's flavor. It brings out flavor. I think there are a lot of interesting allegorical things that we can get out of that. So we are not in the we're not the world, but we add we preserve the world. We add to the world. We improve the world. But but salt isn't the lamb chop, you know? It's it's something extra. It's it's different. It's a part. Uh, and we are the light. We push back darkness. We allow people to see what is. I think that's supporting the truth again. And that's, that's our role. That's what we're supposed to do. We're salt and light. We're the pillar. And we show mercy. I'm just not as dynamic as Andrea, am I? Um, we can't win. As I was studying this, that was the big point that I had the hardest time getting my head around. I like to take an active role. I like to tackle battles that I can win. I like to avoid battles that I can't win. But we can't win. 
There's this, I, I hear all the time, we are a Christian nation. Nah. I think you need to make the argument that we were ever were. I think, I think we were a, we, we were a Christian nation under conflict between different Christian factions that were all trying to push each other out of the way. You know, I, I don't know that we ever lived in peace and harmony. Ask the Presbyterians and the Quakers. They'll have a lot to tell you about it. Uh, you know, um, but we're not a Christian nation. Uh, our, our, our Constitution was set up to have, a, 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 to, to have no religious impact. It was not to have any impact on religion, and religion was to have no impact on the government, which was the biggest deal. They wanted to protect the government from religious influence. Um, we're a non-religious nation when you look at, even from the Founding Fathers' point of view. Um, and we're never going to be. We can't Christianize the United States. I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think it could happen. I think if you look at prophecy in the direction that the world is going, it's the exact opposite of what's going to happen. So can we go out and fix this wicked, wicked world that we live in? I want to. I, I, I would love to, you know, elect Christian congressmen who are going to go stand, you know, uh, uh, attack the ramparts of Washington and make things happen and change, but I don't think that's going to, that, that it, it won't happen. Uh, there, there's just too much momentum. So if we can't change the direction of history, what do we do? We show mercy. We're salt and light. I think we should call out lies. If you can prove that something's a lie, you should totally call out the lie, regardless of which political side it came from. Uh, but otherwise, we handle things that we can handle. We offer kindness to each other. You know, even the Jews took care of Jews. I think we need to take care of Christians. If we have fellow Christians that need help or need guidance, we need to be there for them. Uh, and then beyond that, if we are non-Christians that need help and guidance and you are capable of offering it, then I think you should do that too. Uh, we show mercy. out of notes now. John, save me. Uh-huh.
I think it's also interesting to note, as this devolves into a civics class, that, uh, <laughs> that communism has the same problem. So it starts off strong, but as it develops, it can't sustain itself for another set of reasons. Isn't it interesting that, and, and you're right, and I think even the founding fathers, there were several people that wrote things, I think Benjamin Franklin was one of them, that said that once a democracy figures out that they can vote themselves uh, uh, basically money from the government, then the whole democracy is going to collapse. <laughs> and I think he's right, you know. Uh, human beings are a bunch of greedy people. And we abuse each other just by ver our very nature. You know, uh, I'm going to take your stuff if I can get away with it. Okay, not me personally, but, you know, but you get that. Uh, and so if you leave us to regulate ourselves and govern ourselves, we're going to end up in a mess eventually. It really doesn't matter what the system is. Um, Yes. I think we should try with everything that we've got to be salt and light and, and to have a positive effect. But um, I, I don't think we can be the Christian Captain America and go save the world. You know, uh, that's God's business. And we need to trust him. He's in control of all of it, regardless of where we stand, you know. So there you are. Uh -huh. And you can um, go to preborn, I think it's preborn.com, it comes out of KCBI. But um, you can pay for ultrasound for women to see their baby. And once they see their baby and can hear the heartbeat, they choose to keep their kids enjoying it, keep their baby enjoying the time. Yeah. And what's really cool about it, though, is because they send you. Um, pictures of the ultrasounds, and then they'll give you monthly reports of the one that you had said the get your ultrasound. Mm -hmm. I think Planned Parenthood 
was actually actively against showing ultrasounds because right. it was bad for business. Yeah. Preborn yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm out of ammunition, so Lance, would you pray us out, please? We're dismissing early.